Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Benesh Maid and this week our archive selection finds us remembering the time Thurston Moore led an orchestra of 12 string guitarists and sonic dreamers in a symphony to the earth and the stars. You know, I love the, I love the vibration of a city. By the 70s, the cities were sort of devoid of money and they were they were being shut down and it became like this urban jungle. And in a way, there was a, a new culture of art and music that sort of was embracing that, that wildlife of the city. Back in April 2018, taking inspiration from a poem by Sun Ra, ex-Sonic Youth musician and singer Thurston Moore brought together himself and 11 other equally genre-defying guitarists to create an orchestra, with Moore as conductor and composer. Thurston Moore's Galaxies 12x12, Music for 12 String Guitars, featured cosmic projections by Radio Radjur and pondered our place in the universe. So, in 2018, Thurston Moore joined me over Skype from his North London HQ. You've been described as an experimentalist, composer, performer. I mean, now, where you are in your career, how would you describe yourself? Well, right now, I mean, I know I turned 60 this year, whether that means anything or not. But um, it's, it's a nice demarcation to sort of take notice of, I suppose, personally. I've always considered myself primarily a songwriter, but I've always been very informed by free improvisation. Um, and I like the aesthetic of free improvisation that considers that discipline to be composition anyway, but composition like in the moment, like spontaneous composition. And uh, I, I, I sort of started playing with a little bit of anxiety when I um, with free improvisers in the in the 90s. It wasn't until the 90s that I actually started working with people in New York City. Like William Hooker was a drummer I, I was playing with at first. And then John Zorn sort of took note that I was interested in this music, which he was extremely uh, devoted to. You know, and it was a, a real learning experience. I mean, for years and years and years of, of just like the different ideas uh, that were being bandied about. And it sort of came out of my interest in radical music anyway. I mean, be it punk rock or be it just, you know, experimental uh, music that was either academic or just sort of wild. I think it maybe I had to sort of grow into understanding that language that was always sort of a bit sort of malleable because I felt like a lot of the ways Sonic Youth was working, we were we had a lot of open-ended playing that we would employ in our in our songs, especially live. But I never really distinguished it as as a as a music as a genre, like calling it free improvisation. We just called it playing, you know. We <laughs> were you know, and, and distinguishing it from 
jamming. Well, I certainly devalue the guitars in, in the in the eyes of people who uh, see the guitar as a uh, you know as as a um, as a as a commodity. Uh, you know, I, you can't really resell my guitars very well because I hot rod them, so to speak. Uh, I'll pull out certain electronics and just sort of uh, you know I'll get rid of. I, I usually get rid of the the tone controls. They just sort of get in the way of the volume. <laughs> I mean, that originally was what I was doing. I mean, with the guitars we were using, like the, especially the the Fender Jazzmaster guitars, a, a lot of their switching was was sort of placed above the pickups in a way where, if you weren't playing like Wes Montgomery, and if you're playing more like, say, uh, Andy Gill, Gang of Four, you're going to be like you're going to be hitting those switches off and on. So we would rip those out and just wire directly to the volume pot. I don't know if it's disrespectful. I think we were just sort of, um, you know, we were just, you know, we were uh, adjusting it to our own our own needs uh, in, in that sense. You know, it, it, subsequently, Fender Guitars did two signature guitars, one for me and one for Lee Ronaldo, uh, that, were, that were based on how we had modified these guitars um, a few years back. And uh, so that was kind of um, a, a bit of a comeuppance in that in that respect. Do you have a large collection of guitars? Do you focus on the one that is like creating the sound that in, that inspires you at the moment? Well. I, I'm not a gearhead, and it's I, I've never really sort of been interested in, in in the gear so much. Even though I have you know a a love for guitars and effects pedals and all this kind of stuff, but I'm not one who goes into every new town on tour and heads straight to the guitar store. I only need one guitar to work with, and I just find it as it's strictly just a, a, a tool for me to make sound. I. I've never really been into guitar lust so much. Let's put it that way. The first guitars that Sonic Youth used were just like the ones we can afford at the time, which were very sort of just cheap charity shop guitars. And they didn't sound very good in, in sort of standard tuning. We would start tuning them differently. And, you know, the, these cheap guitars um, would break and they would just like... This, the first songs we wrote were sort of dedicated to how these songs, how these guitars sounded. And as soon as that guitar was malfunctioning and had to be tossed away or whatever, uh, the song had to be tossed away. I kind of liked that in a way. There was something really sort of Buddha about that, <laughs> you know. And um, and then you know, as, as soon as we got a, a little more work and our profile started getting a little higher, and we were able to sort of have a little more coin in our pocket. One of the first guitars that we figured that we could afford were the Fender Jazzmasters. At that time, in the early to mid-80s, they weren't really on the market as sort of highly collectible guitars yet. Fender does a first Jazzmaster in 1958, which I love because that was the year I was born. So I always think, I, I always think there was, there's, some kind of <laughs> there's some kind of synchronicity there. I have a very early production uh, jazz master. I have two of those. One of them was is a really wonderful guitar that was gifted to me um, by Patty Smith uh, when Sonic Youth had all their equipment stolen uh, at one point in the late 90s. She had experienced the same thing with her group, and she was playing up near where I was living at the time, and she gifted me this guitar, and it was this wonderful jazz master that she had, and I think it sort of was possibly something 
was Fred's guitar, her husband, her husband from MC5, uh, who had passed away. So I love this guitar, and I play this guitar all the time. And and then I have one of my signature guitars as well. Uh, and then my girlfriend Eva had, as an early 60th birthday gift, uh, presented me this this wonderful Fender 12-string guitar, which I've been using to write the electric section of this piece. So. And then I have a 12-string acoustic uh, that I've had for many years. It's a Martin, been using to write the acoustic section of the piece. So, I'm, you know, I have a few guitars, but I'm not, again, I'm, I, and then I, I have guitars sort of hanging up around our flat that Evan and I have. And they're mostly things we find in, in strange flea markets uh, in our travels, you know, on tour. And so we have like, we have very strange shaped uh, Turkish and Ethiopian uh ukuleles and things like this guitars i don't i generally play every day but they're just so aesthetically gorgeous and beautiful and uh you know guitars do make good company um i think uh, <laughs> guitars books records these things you know very important objects uh, vibrational objects in the household started talking about it but let's move on to galaxies the piece that you are writing were you given a blank sheet of paper how, how did you sort of start when we had uh, our initial meetings about doing something uh, at the barbican i had worked at the barbican in different contexts through the years i had done this project with members of uh, the german rock group can i did that i'd worked with um, i worked with beck there uh, doing a piece that he did. Yeah, so I've become quite friendly with a, a lot of the, the good people who worked there. And so we had talked about me doing something in, in some context. I, mean, I think the original idea was like uh, working with the London uh, Symphonia. We talked about different ideas, and that was one of them. And I, I felt like I'd rather do something that's that hasn't been done really before. Off the top of my head, I said, how about a 12, 12-string 12 guitar orchestra? And we all just sort of looked, looked at each other and smiled and realized, like, if you're going to say that, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> and I, I immediately took the challenge. I was like, let's just let's do it. Um, and it wasn't until the beginning of this new year that I really sat down pen to paper and with, with the instruments around me and started uh, seriously notating what I wanted to do. And it is a notation. It's, 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 it's composition. It, there are two pieces. I mean, the, the first piece is acoustic. The second piece is electric separated by an intermission and and it's all of one piece called galaxies the first piece the acoustic piece i've subtitled earth and the second piece i subtitled sky and as far as that kind of text i was just sort of looking for uh, i was looking for some sort of text idea to sort of inform me how i was feeling about writing this music because the music was just with no lyrical content i wanted to have some kind of language that would uh, i could apply to it so I, I went through a lot of different texts that i was interested in uh primarily 
poetry, like 20th century poets that I, I like. For some reason, I just sort of thought about the um, the published poetry of Sun Ra, and I kind of was went through some of that, and there was a, a very sort of beautiful piece by Sun Ra um, that dealt with just kind of the idea of nature, the idea of being sort of human, the idea of sort of um, simple togetherness that was kind of rises above a lot of the sort of miseries of that we deal with. And uh, I thought it was a beautiful piece. And so I used it as the basis for how I wanted to enter into writing. Um, just maybe just, you know, however that, whatever that was sensitivity wise. It's a poem called, um, the satellites are spinning and it goes like this the satellites are spinning a new day is dawning the galaxies are waiting for planet earth's awakening oh we sing this song to a brave tomorrow oh we sing this song to abolish sorrow the satellites are spinning a better day is breaking the galaxies are waiting for planet earth's awakening sun Ra. I just started writing and, uh, and I, I mean, just, you know, from morning to night for, you know, with, the, you know, just staying in, in, staying indoors, which is hard for me. I like to sort of prowl around, you know, this, the city. <laughs> I'm a bit of a, I, I always, you know, I like sort of engaging with the, the city a lot. It sort of takes me away from doing work like that. I've been working pretty, pretty hardcore with it since, uh, since the new year. Yeah. You, you talked about prowling the city, but um, what's your sort of relationship between the sort of urban settings and the the countryside? It sounds like you do draw inspiration, as you will, from nature. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I see the cities as nature. I mean, the cities are built by, you know, by humans. You know, it's it's, it's they're, they're all reflections of the, the vision of of a human. So, you know, I love the I love the vibration of a city. I've I've lived rurally. I lived in sort of countryside in my day, but I'm always running to the city. I mean, in a way that's, I feel like it was predicated upon my teenage years and just sort of wondering what was going on in New York City and living very close to it, but not close enough where I could just walk to it. So by the time I could drive, I would just, I just went screaming towards these places that I had been looking at in these, these magazines, these black and white photographs of of the burgeoning CBGB scene and what was going on at Max's Kansas City and these people, you know, who looked more like I felt um, than any other musicians, people like Patti Smith or Joey Ramone, you know, Tom Verlaine, you know, pe- people who seemed a little not the models of, of rock and roll swarthiness. That's why I think I was really attracted to the city. I think before that, you know, music culture was always about escaping to the country you know it was all this kind of going to woodstock bare feet you know and uh the commune you know getting away from it all getting away from the standards of society that have been set up in the as you know these cities of money by the 70s the cities were sort of devoid of money and they were being sort of they were being shut down new york city was 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 completely uh penniless and it became like this urban jungle and in a way the there was a, a new a new culture of art and music that sort of was embracing that forget the hippies in the country we're going to the city and that's going to be our new world to work in and so that i think that's what 
my initial romance with the city is that I can never sort of, you know, toss away. I've always, I've always enjoyed um, industrial noise. I love, I, I always go towards the noise in the city. If there's some construction site around the corner, I'll walk that way. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, I, so I, to the point where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, what do you do with like all those industrial noise records you have? You don't really play them. <laughs> there's enough, there's enough raw industrial noise on the street. So when people start making records of raw industrial noise as their as their output, it's kind of funny. But you know, you can't help but you can't help but love it. But I never really play play that music. <laughs> I really loved the, like the early days, like in the eighties, when the Einsteins und Neubauten came out of Berlin. They were just so fantastic because they would come out on stage with with, with jackhammers and you know and in, in garbage bins and just throwing them around. I just thought you know, it sounded and it looked. It was great theater. It was the, it was the commentary on just being like uh, of the sound of of the city, you know, and putting it in a performance was just so was so great. They did a famous show at a. Uh, at the ICA where they started drilling a hole through the back of the uh, of the venue and then I wish I wish I had seen that show <laughs> they had to be stopped I you know it's it's more about this idea of just energy and the idea of just sort of like this kind of endless cos- you know like cosmology that sort of that we have to sort of only wonder about and science can take us only so far with this um and i just sort of you know i sort of really find some energy and just sort of that that kind of you know the kind of mystic contemplation and so i think about that and i have you know the one thing i can really believe in is my own feelings and that you know, feelings that i share with other people like like-minded that there's more there's more to uh, existence than what we're um, actually able to sort of purview. So I think this electric piece is more about um, there's a little more improvisation going on in this piece, you know, and the guitars are sort of creating um, a lot of sort of resultant uh, sounds through this one bit of instruction that I'm giving to the musicians. Uh, and so unlike the acoustic piece, it's not such a strict composition, but it is a, it is a composition, but it's more based on instructional ideas on the page about what the musicians should be doing. It, it gives them a parameter to work in. If it creates any kind of visual, uh, it, it, I would hope it would create a visual of some kind of some kind of starry sky. I found some symbology that I've, I've attached to it, like visual symbology of like some old, like uh, Native American um, signs that supposedly, uh, well, they do. Um, they're they're emblems of the sky and a, and a visual uh, icon, and so I've, I've used these are sort of on the faces of the scores for the musicians to look at, which I think at some point I'll share. Uh, more readily, uh, possibly on online or as a physical score to share with people. But yeah, so that's that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How did you draw the ensemble together, uh, the other 11 guitarists, friends, musicians you admire? Yes, both of those things. Um, I first asked the, the two guitarists that I've been playing with for the last uh, number of years here in, in London, James Edwards, who's a fantastic guitarist, and Deb Googe, uh, who plays bass in our group. And as, as you may know, with My Bloody Valentine, she's one of the founders of uh, at least the My Bloody Valentine we all know and love. And um, there's some other uh, musicians that I've played with in London the, the last few years that I certainly wanted involved. David Toop was one of them, and Alex Ward was another. I asked other other players. Um, Eugene Coyne is somebody I've I've never uh, met or I've yet to meet, and he's a, a close mate of Deb's, and and she thought he would be good, and I I trusted her instinct on that, and so I reached out to this just gentleman, Eugene Coyne, who has a a bit of a recording career of his own right. He's he's a very has a very he's a very interesting musician. I reached out to James McCartney, who's a acoustic guitar player, singer songwriter, somebody I've been friendly with for a number of years, uh, even before I moved here to London. Um, I met him at an All Tomorrow's parties that Sonic Youth had curated, and he was there, and we just became friendly. And uh, this woman, Rachel Ags, uh, again, I've seen her play guitar, electric guitar, in a group called Trash Kit. The Joseph Coward is a is a guitarist who's sort of local here in North London who I've actually played on one of his recordings and uh, he's somebody I've I've always thought was a, a great songwriter and so I reached out to him he's local I wanted to keep it fairly local you know it's uh, I, I I didn't really think it was necessary to fly people in from all over the world to do this or reaching out for celebrity names um, uh, Susan Stenger um, is a is a guitarist that I've known from New York City she's been living over here here for quite some time uh she's like a scholar of of cage's music and she had a group called band of susans in new york that was coming out of a lot of the same territory that sonic youth was coming out of in the 70s and 
Jen Chochanov, who I've yet to play with and who I've yet to meet. And again, I'm looking forward to meeting her. And she was recommended to me, checked her out, and she seemed perfect. And I gave her a ring and she was happy to do this. And so that I think is it. And, and David Toop, you know, um, musicologist and, you know, really distinctive improviser, uh, great writer, publisher of such good books as Ocean of Sound. I'm really looking forward. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to have like three very, very involved days of rehearsals. And that's, I, I have no idea. I mean, I have a feeling it's going to come together fairly, fairly quickly. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, they are scores that each piece is about 35 minutes um, plus. So, I, you know, the, the acoustic guitar piece is going to be more of a, a bit of a drone pastoral um, with, you know, with, with movement certainly in it. Um, and it's, it has a bit, it has a, certainly a musical trajectory in it and it has it, it it's its own story the electric piece is a bit more intensified i would say i wanted to ask and maybe this is more relevant for the electric piece when you have 12 guitarists on stage i presume for you it's about the smaller moments as well as the bigger moments and the, the, the peaks, the, you know, creating the shape. Yeah, the dynamics are, are going to be very key in, like, sort of having this piece um, work successfully. I, I, I realized that, and I realized that just playing these pieces myself, that a lighter touch is key as well. So I'm hoping that we can sort of find the, you know, that within the ensemble to sort of keep that dynamic in check. And, you, you know, the last thing anybody wants to hear uh, is just you know it's just a bunch of power recording or maybe people do want to hear that I know that some people are like oh should we bring earplugs you're gonna blow the roof off the top of this place etc etc and I said well you know I haven't really thought about that <laughs> but I think there's a certain expectation with me coming into the Barbican with 12 electric guitars that it's going to be the searing event well I guess maybe some sections can be I, I haven't really heard the 12 guitars together yet um, it has, certainly has the propensity to do that. That wasn't something I was really sort of thinking about or considering when I was putting pen to paper. It's like, oh, how am I going to like rip people's heads off with, <laughs> with 12 electric guitars making noise? Like, should I do a feedback symphony? No, I never really thought about these things. There is, you can rest assured, there is there is some feedback sections. <laughs> I'm not going there to uh, to to create a noise storm, let's put it that way. So um, there, there might be a taste of that. <laughs> I will be conducting. I mean, I'm not going to have a baton, and I, you know, I won't be on a podium. But I, I will be sort of, um, you know, I, I will be the one queuing. Let's put it that way. Um, call it what you will, but I will be the one. In, I am the leader, and uh, it will be an arc of a bit of a half moon arc of the guitarists facing me, and I'm going to have a couple of. Uh, maybe two of the guitarists uh, sort of assist me um, in some sort of co-cueing, uh, which I think will be necessary, especially specifically in the electric piece, which is it's divided into a group A and a group B, uh, as opposed to the acoustic piece, which is is a singular sort of ensemble piece. Um, the electric piece is going there's going to be two different factions working together and apart, so that's a little more um, a little more work, and so I'm going to employ a little bit of of assistance uh, in that. Um, but yeah, it, it will be me sort of giving the eyeball to everybody for sure. 
And lastly, an interesting question, and again, this may have changed throughout your career. How do you value success? I mean, specifically with this piece, what are you looking to achieve or hope to achieve? Well, the primary achievement for me right now is just sort of actually actually actualizing this piece. And it's not something I've really done before. I've, it's sort of more concurrent with actually writing and, and writing a piece, writing a, an essay or, you know, or, or writing a novella or writing a, a book of poetry or whatever. So to, to actually write a notated composition on graph paper, um, it's been extremely rewarding. And um, I just like, I've, I love it, you know, and I just feel like this is what I want to do now. Um, I kind of want to sort of get more involved with doing extended, expanded pieces of music. Um, all of this history I have sort of informing it. And so I feel really like it's already a complete success for me. As far as performing it in public, um, that remains to be seen. I, I have nothing but confidence for it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm really uh, extremely confident with the musicians I'm, I'm going to be working with. And I like the name Galaxies. I just might just, I just might sort of change my name to Galaxies. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how it goes. One step at a time here. Thanks to Thurston for speaking to me and reading us that lovely bit of Sun Ra poetry. The performance itself was everything you'd expect. Equal measure beautiful, loud and extraordinary. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.